and I wanted to encourage that follower of Christ to keep following the Lord. And, and I wanted to reach, you know, that Bubba who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord and help him to see that there's a God who loves him and a God who created him and a God who wants to have a relationship with him. I don't care if I've got a homemade bow in my hands with, you know, a shoestring, you know, for the string. Uh, and, and turkey feathers for, you know, on my arrows, uh, I'm going to figure out a way to go hunting. And I don't care if, if I'm hunting, you know, a 200-inch deer or a 100-inch deer. Uh, I love being in the outdoors. Romans one twenty tells us that we are without excuse in seeing God through his creation. And for those of us that hunt, fish, and enjoy the outdoors, this is especially true. The evidence of God can be seen in the early morning sunrise from a tree stand. It can be seen in the look of a child's face as they reel in their first fish. It can be heard in the thunderous gobbles coming from the treetops in the spring. According to Genesis chapter 1, God has given us what he calls dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the creatures that roam the earth. There has been much debate over what that word dominion truly means for us humans, but a careful inspection of the intention of God in the first chapter of Genesis can show you that we are called to be stewards of his creation. He has created us in his image to be caretakers of his creation and has placed us in a position of authority and higher priority than these animals. Today's guest on the Rice Kelly podcast is Pastor Dr. Joe Bufford of Hillcrest Baptist Church right here in my home state of Kentucky. Joe has a lot of titles in addition to being a pastor, including his role of pro staff leader for the Buck Ventures team, as well as the author of the year-long devotional book for outdoorsmen entitled Dominion. After you hear my conversation with Pastor Joe Bufford, make sure you guys head over to the link in the show notes. That way you can pick up a copy of his book today. My name is Tyler Pruitt. I am the host and the founder of the Rise Elite Podcast. The Rise Elite Podcast exists to be an, a resource for those that love God, freedom, and the great outdoors. I want this podcast show to be something that is a blessing to people. I want this to be something that I share the ideas, the conversations, the stories of people who love the pursuit of those three things, God, freedom, and the great outdoors. So if you guys haven't connected with me on social media, I want to ask that you do that real quick. On Instagram, you can find me at the handle at RiceKillEat. So that's at RiceKillEat all together. And then on Facebook, you can find me at Facebook.com slash RKE, as in RiceKillEat. That's Facebook.com slash RKE Afield. So again, I'm joined by Pastor Joe Bufford today, and we have a great conversation on the state of the church, the state of our world right now, Christians during this tough time, and of course, hunting. And we have a great conversation all about just what it means to be a Christian that loves to get outside and to hunt and enjoy God's creation. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Pastor Joe Bufford and enjoy the episode. All right, so I'm sitting here with Joe Bufford, and of course, many people that have been listening to the Rise Elite podcast, they have heard my news that where I've been able to, uh, I've been blessed with the opportunity to be able to be part of the Buck Ventures pro staff team, and Joe is, of course, my pro staff leader. So thank you, Joe, for being on the Rise Elite podcast with me today. Well, it's an honor to be with you today, Tyler, and looking forward to getting to know you even more, and uh, just excited about what God has in store. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm too. And you know, that whole the whole pro staff 
team that Jeff and Daniel and the, the whole team has put together. It's absolutely incredible. And what kind of got you first interested in, you know, Buck Ventures and potentially being the, uh, in the pro staff? Well, I, I, I'm originally from Georgia, Tyler, and um, I guess in 2010, I got approached about being a part of a TV show down there called Extreme Christian Outdoors Television. It was just uh, more locally uh, oriented uh, out of North Georgia and started out just on local uh, cable channels and then eventually uh, became nationally syndicated. But uh, I, I started with, uh, with that show and, and stayed with them for about five years. And then in 2015, I just felt God leading me away from that. I'd, I'd moved to Kentucky uh, in 2013. And uh, one morning at, at breakfast on a Friday morning, a pastor friend of mine uh, in, in uh, 2015, we got to talking about uh, how our show that I'd been a part of revolved around taking handicapped individuals, uh, terminally ill individuals, um, you know, former soldiers uh, to the field, to hunting and such. And he said, uh, my pastor friend said, hey, you, we ought to come up with something like that for pastors. And when he said it, it was just a, one of those light bulb moments. And the Holy Spirit just showed up uh, there in McDonald's over over a sausage biscuit and we started where he shows up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing where he shows up. So uh, we need the Holy spirit to show up at McDonald's when you're eating, eating that food. So anyway, um, but we, we, as uh, two pastors, we recognize that um, being in the ministry is not easy. And we just thought uh, of how many pastors um, could benefit from an outdoor experience, whether it be hunting or fishing. And so, um, we began to pray about that. Uh, I, I felt so strongly about it that um, I made the decision to step away from the show that I was had been filming with. And uh, later that year, we launched uh, a ministry called Pastors in the Outdoors. And now, five years later, we've had over 125 pastors attend one of our four-day retreats. And we literally do them from Georgia, Florida, uh, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, South Dakota, um, Nebraska. We do everything from quail hunts to pheasant hunts to duck hunts to turkey hunts, hog hunts, deer hunts, uh, fishing trips. Um, it's just not much we don't, we don't do. But we have found that when you get pastors together who've been in the trenches, who are wounded and discouraged, uh, when, you get, when you get four pastors together and, and they get to spend some time together and find out they're not the only ones in the, in the trench, um, it just uh, revitalizes them. And that that's became our motto for that ministry is reviving the man of God. And, and our conviction is if we can revive the man of God, we can revive the church. And so anyway, um, in the midst of that, um, I, I, for, I guess probably since about 2010, 2011, uh, I've been speaking at wild game banquets, uh, literally all over the country. And we have one here at our church. I'm the pastor at Hillcrest Baptist Church in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And that particular year, we were having a um, having a wild game banquet here ourselves. And a friend of mine was coming, and uh, he is friends with Michael Waddell. And so Michael came up with him uh, to our event, and, and uh, he was a great drawing card. Well, Michael and I got to know one another, and I began writing um, 
devotionals for the Bone Collector Facebook page. And Michael has a million followers, if you can fathom that number on Facebook. And so um, anyway, Michael uh, allowed me to start writing devotionals for his his Facebook page. And, and, And every time he would post one, there would be literally thousands of likes and hundreds and hundreds of comments within 24 hours. It's just crazy. And, and so um, I think it was December of 2017, uh, Michael, um, he texted me one day. I was in the deer stand, and, and he was sitting in the deer stand in Georgia, and he texted me that morning, and he had posted one of the devotionals the day before and said, uh, hey, Joe, I've got folks asking where they can find more of your writings. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And I just chuckled because uh, the thought had entered my mind. But uh, after finishing my doctorate, I just be honest with you, I didn't want to sit down at a computer ever again. Uh, <laughs> I was so burned out. And so I just laughed and I was like, OK, God, I get the picture here. And and I just began to make excuses uh, about this book. Like, God, I can't write a book. And and the vision was to, to uh, put together a uh, you know, a devotional book uh, that would be a year long for outdoorsmen. And so uh, I, I just thought, oh, Lord, I can't do all that by myself. Well, God just said, hey, you've had pastors coming on these retreats, uh, you know, for the last couple of years. They love me and they love the outdoors. Uh, why don't you ask them to help write some of, uh, of these devotionals? And so, um, so anyway, uh, turn new year of, of 2016, I started contacting some of those pastors and they were like, absolutely, absolutely. And so then I had the idea of, um, of including testimonies from big name guys in the outdoor industry. Um, and, and so, um, in February of, uh, of that year, uh, I guess it was 20, let's see, 20, uh, 17. Yeah. I said 2016, February, 2017, I'm at the national wild Turkey Federation. And I knew that Jeff Danker was a Christian. And lo and behold, he and Daniel happened to have a, a booth at the National Wild Turkey Federation. And so I approached Jeff. Uh, I, I had to make my way around a couple of times to catch him. But I finally called him. And as I walked up to him, uh, I introduced myself. And he looked at me and he said, are you here about the pro staff position? And I looked at him and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he said uh, I said, I'm here to get your testimony for a book that I'm writing. And he goes, you're not here about the pro staff position. And I said, no, I don't. I, I literally don't know about what pro staff position you're talking about. And I said, I, I really would like your testimony for my book. I, I know that you're a, a follower of Christ. And he said, you're really here, not here about my te- uh, about joining the pro staff. And I said, no, I'm really here about your testimony. And so we were back and forth. He, unbeknown to me, uh, Tyler, Daniel, and Jeff, the day prior to the NWTF, they had posted a Facebook video about expanding their pro staff. Oh, yeah. And so, and I didn't have a clue. I was clueless of it, absolutely clueless. And, and, and to be totally honest, um, I, I did not get the Sportsman's Channel uh, at home. And so I had been keeping up with, you know, what was going on with Buck Ventures. I had known Jeff from the Major League Bow Hunting days. And so anyway, Jeff and I, uh, we exchanged uh, comments. We got into a conversation. Next thing we know, 45 minutes later, uh, 
Jeff asked me if I would consider coming on as a pro staff member for Buck Ventures. And so I said, well, I'll certainly pray about it. My response to him was, if this is just about killing big deer, I'm out. I've, I've you know, been there, done that. Um, and, and, and I said, but if this is about sharing the gospel of Christ, I'd love to be a part of it. And he said, well, absolutely. That's what I want to use this platform for. And so anyway, two weeks later, uh, Jeff calls me and um, shares with me his vision for how he wants to expand uh, the pro staff uh, for Buck Ventures Television and asked me if I would become a leader, uh, in particular for the state of Kentucky at the time. And so uh, I was honored, um, still just laughed at how it all came about um, because I was just there to get his testimony for my book. <laughs> and so uh, now, two and a half years later, uh, I serve as, as one of the leaders and, and one of the spiritual leaders for uh, for Buck Ventures, and as you are learning, we have guys literally from all across this country. Yeah, that was the one thing that really surprised me at the meeting this summer in in Oklahoma. Like we literally had guys from California all the way up to South Carolina. I mean, it was from yeah. literally all over the place. And you know, I experienced a little bit of that. Uh, I guess kind of the the apprehension to applying to the pro staff as well a little bit too, because I was seeing on, on social media and of course their show, the bug venture show, how they're always constantly killing these big deer. And I'm like, I'm not doing that <laughs> Like <laughs> as much as I want to, it's not happening. And it's, you know, I've gotten one deer that was probably scored a 140 and everything else has been below that. So I don't know if I can keep up as far as that, but the whole aspect of, you know, the, the camaraderie, the community and, you know, the, the platform of sharing Jesus was really what attracted me. And that's really what, uh, I guess got me in the car that, that morning to get me to drive out to Oklahoma. It was that, that right there. And that's, that's pretty incredible that you, you've had a story very similar to that. Yeah. And, you know, as you've seen, uh, from the guys who uh, have made their own episodes, uh, for the Woodsman, uh, our new um, outdoors TV uh, platform that, you know, guys just like you uh, and me have the opportunity to have, an, uh, you know, our very own episode um, on, on outdoors TV. And so it's a tremendous opportunity um, for uh, individuals who love the outdoors uh, to be a part of something that's really big. I mean, it, you know, uh, Bug Ventures is a big time show, Academy sports and outdoors obviously is our, our corporate sponsor. And if you look at some of who our other sponsors are, um, this is a big time deal. And so for Jeff and Daniel to open the door up for others to become a part of it, um, you know, just tremendous. I mean, there, there are very uh, few who would be willing to share that platform, but that just really goes to share you their heart um, that it's not just about them. Uh, building a name for them it's it's about using what they have to you know to touch the lives of others and and to do so through the outdoors yes sir and that's exactly what's you know so attractive about the their show in general and then of course this whole process is you know i'm learning how to be you know somebody who's going to promote you know the things that they're doing it makes it very easy because the things that they're about you know hunting and of course god those are the two things that are highest priorities for me which is why this you know, Rise Kelly podcast even exists. So it's, it makes it very easy 
whenever you have guys like that and guys like you and, you know, of course, Jeff and Daniel and Jaylee, the whole team, it's, it's very, it makes it very easy, you know, not difficult at all to be able to promote the, uh, the atmosphere that they're, they're of course working with. And, you know, of course you being a pastor and all that kind of thing, what was it that kind of first got you into ministry? I mean, I know a lot of people, they get in the ministry and I don't know if they ever really feel that calling or maybe they do feel calling, they choose not to pursue it. You know, what does that kind of process look like for you personally, as far as, you know, taking the dive and obeying God and being obedient to God and actually getting into ministry? Yeah. So, um, goodness gracious. Well, I, I, I surrendered my life to Christ when I was just 11 years of age. Um, I came from a broken home. Uh, when I say broken, I, I'm, I truly mean broken. Um, my parents divorced when I was just a little boy, but um, by the time I was a teenager, my mother had been married five times, and she was trying to just, you know, trying to fill a void in her life with men that only Christ was designed to fill. And it wasn't until my li- uh, my mother turned her life over to Christ that, I saw the change that he brought at her, and, and I realized that if he could do that for her, uh, he could do it for me. And so um, I still remember sitting in Sunday school class, sixth grade boy Sunday school class, and and hearing my Sunday school teachers just, you know, share the truth uh, about God's love and about the reality of hell and that God's desire was to have a relationship with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and, and that all resonated with me. Um, and, and, and so uh, that's where I, I surrendered my life to Christ. And, um, you know, I was, felt like I was a pretty good kid growing up, but uh, ball consumed me. I played baseball for 13 years. I played football for eight. Um, and, and you've seen me. You know I'm not a not a big guy. Uh, I'm, a, I'm 145 pounds, you know, on a good day. Uh, but I've always been able to run fast, and so that was key. Uh, and, and so – uh, but I was at the ball field just, you know, all the time. And, and even through high school, um, you know, I, I played baseball in my senior year. I took up running cross country. I, I still don't know why I did that, um, but I still run <laughs> today. Um, but, uh, you know, through all of that, uh, mom would pull me off the ball field to get me to church on time. And, because back then, you it was uncontested. When church was happening, there was no sports going on. And so – um, if the coach ran over on Wednesday nights, you know, she was pulling me off and I was walking into church with my football pants on. Um, so uh, those are the days where, you know, if I happened to be leaving the baseball field and walked into church and accidentally forgot I had a ball cap on, you know, my, my grandfather, my granddad would, would knock, my, knock my ball cap off my head. And I was fortunate that the only thing he hit was my cap. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, was, those were different days. And so, uh, so I, but I was, you know, I, I share that to say this you know, my mom kept my sister and I in church and she eventually married a, a man who would become my stepdad. I call him my dad now because he's been a part of my life for over 35 years. And, um, and, and all of a sudden we had Christ in our home. And so, um, our home radically changed. And by the time I was, uh, you know, a junior in high school, I found myself serving as the president of our fellowship, the Christian Athletes Club in, in high school. And, 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 but when I came out of high school, uh, Tyler, my vision, my dream was uh, I wanted to go to work um, for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. 
And like two months out of high school, about the time I was starting my, my freshman year of college, uh, a lady from our church asked me if I was looking for a job in downtown Atlanta. And I said, well, I'm going to school at Georgia State University. Uh, I said, it makes sense. And she said, well, uh, the governor's office is needing a college student to come to work in the press release office. And I was like, yeah, you know, OK. So I went and interviewed for the job and I don't even remember what the pay was. I just um, found out I was going to receive free parking at the Capitol, <laughs> which is only one block away from from Georgia State University. And that was the best part of the job, you know, initially is I'm getting free parking downtown Atlanta, which can get pretty costly. And so you're um, a college kid too. So I mean, your opinion saved is, is good. <laughs> absolutely. Well, in the midst of that, by working uh, for, I started out with Governor Joe Frank Harris, a uh, godly man, and, and then uh, I finished serving out his term. And then I, uh, Zell Miller was elected after that. And I worked for Zell Miller uh, for a time. And so uh, I pretty much had my way paved. Uh, I knew all the right people, even my first year of college, I knew all the right people to make it, you know, to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Um, but my second year of college, um, that, that desire just began to dissipate. And uh, I, I just began to sense God stirring in my heart and in my life. Um, really can't explain it except to say there was a conviction that God was calling me to do something. Um, and it wasn't something I chose. I think it was that he chose me because there is nothing, um, there's nothing really special about me. Um, I'm, I'm a country boy. Um, I love the outdoors and, uh, you've, you've been around me. Um, I, I may not kill the biggest deer, but I assure you, I'm going to be striving to. And yeah. so, um, but anyway, uh, I just began to sense God, uh, stirring in my heart that he was calling me into ministry. And, uh, and before I knew it, God placed on my heart, a desire to start a, a college ministry at our church. And, and here I was a college student. And, and so um, I began to talk with a pastor or two about what it meant to be in ministry. And one weekend I went away, January of um, 1991, I went away on a retreat with some other college students and spent time with a mentor of mine. And I told him, I said, I, I just think God's calling me into ministry. And I don't even know all that that looks like. And and I remember he told me, uh, don't be concerned about what you're going to do. Just be concerned about answering God's call. And so um, I came back home and, and I told my pastor, I felt like God was calling me into ministry and that I was going to surrender my life to ministry. And, and what he said next really shocked me. Uh, he said, well, Joe, if there's anything you'd rather do in life, uh, go do it. And, and I thought I was going to get like a great commendation, that a boy, you know, <laughs> a word of encouragement. No, he tells me you got to do something else if I want to do it. And I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now <laughs> because um, th this is a great statement. I don't know that it originated with me, um, but but it's worth um, it's worth repeating. And, and that's this: your ministry is only as strong as your calling. And, and if God has not called you into ministry, um, you probably will not survive in the ministry because ministry is not easy. And so um, so I answered the call to ministry in, in 1991, just sensing that's what the Holy Spirit of God was calling me to do. 
And almost from day one, even though I spent five and a half years in student ministry, uh, I knew from the very beginning that God was calling me to be a pastor. And so, um, so I am coming up in January. It will mark uh, the, the uh, 30th year uh, of me answering the call to ministry. And so I've been doing this. I'm, I'll be 49 next month. And so I've been at it, um, you know, since, since I was, um, since I was 19 years of age and, and, um, pretty much all I, all I know. And so I've pastored four churches, uh, over the last 26 years, um, or to the last 24, going on 25 years, I've pastored four churches, three in the state of Georgia and then one here in Kentucky. Man, that's great. That's great that you've had that obedience towards God, because I mean, that's, I've seen what the kind of things that my pastor has gone, has gone through and, you know, the types of, I guess the, just really just the hard, the hard side of, you know, being a pastor, because I mean, anytime, anytime that you're dealing with, you know, people, it's an ugly business, especially whenever, whenever it comes to, you know, the types of things that you got to deal with. I mean, it's, it's a, it can be, you know, pretty challenging. And, uh, to go back a little bit to kind of the beginning of your story there. Um, I thought it was interesting that, that you mentioned how like once Jesus came into your all's household and once, you know, Christ was the center of your all's household, that's when the change occurs. Because I think so many people, I think they try to change first and then come to Jesus. And it's almost always a fail because they, they like, well, I, I can't exactly do that yet because I can't exactly be obedient to God yet because, you know, I'm, I'm a messed up person. But in, in, the, in reality, the opposite should be true. Like we need to go to Jesus and then he'll fix us. And, you know, kind of hear that with your mother's story, especially, it's just, that's pretty encouraging. That was the first thing that I kind of thought of is that, you know, that change is only going to occur once Jesus is in our, in our lives. Yeah. I think far too often as followers of Christ, sometimes we get caught up in wanting to change, um, the appearance of someone or, or their habits on the outside. And the reality is the outside will never change until Jesus changes the inside. Yeah, exactly. It's gotta be heart surgery. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take that, take that old heart out and put the new one in. So of course we touched on the, on the yeah, challenges absolutely. of being a pastor. So what are some of the challenges of being somebody who is in ministry? And of course, you know, having to, to deal with people and really in a lot of ways seeing a lot of the ugly side of people. So what's, what are some challenges to actually being somebody who is a spiritual leader, of course, in your family. And then of course of the church as well. Yeah. How long do we have? Well, I will say this from the outset, uh, ministry can be difficult, but it can also be so rewarding. And, and I have said before, uh, there are days where what I get to experience as a pastor, I wouldn't take a million dollars for it. And then there are days where a million dollars wouldn't be sufficient. And, and so, again, I, you know, I reiterate that your 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 ministry will only be as strong as your calling. And, um, and, and you know, a mentor um, once said to me, Joe, when you enter difficult days, uh, he said, one of the practices that I've learned to do is I, I go back and I write down the things that are absolutes in my life. And he said, for instance, um, he said, I write down the day that I surrendered my life to Christ because I know God saved me and nothing can change that. And he said, I go back and I write down the, the day that God called me in the ministry because nothing can 
can change that. And he said, those things remind me that if God saved me and God called me, God will sustain me. And, you know, those are powerful words. Um, if God saved us and he called us, he will sustain us. And, and so um, for me, um, the Bible is God's word and I preach it and I teach it unapologetically. Um, I believe it is the infallible and errant inspired word of God. It is this, you know, God breathed. There, there's no fallacy to it. Um, and, and it is without errors. And obviously we live in a day and a time where a lot of people want to water down the word of God or they want to pick and choose um, what text uh, fits their story or justifies their choices. And we don't have that liberty. Um, and, and so uh, just preaching God's word as the absolute truth, the unchanging truth is not always appreciated because uh, I believe that hell is real. I believe in calling sin, sin. Uh, and, and for me, that means uh, taking a stand at times uh, on sinful issues. And, um, you know, but it's no different than when Peter and Paul, um, you know, were writing the New Testament. I mean, there was there was immorality going on in the church. Even then, you look at uh, the city of Corinth and, and you know, <laughs> Corinth Church was a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, like you said earlier, um, ministry is messy because people are involved and I don't always get it right. I may have been doing this for, you know, coming up on 30 years now, but, um, you know, I don't always get it right. And, and so, um, but dealing with, you know, dealing with immorality is, uh, is never easy, um, but dealing with brokenness, man, people are broken everywhere we turn. Yep. People are broken and they're without hope. And, and, and the only hope we have to offer them is Christ. Um, but not everyone is willing to believe that, that Christ is hope. And, and so um, when you're dealing with, with people's lives that are broken, um, it can at times break your heart. You know, when you see a family that you've loved uh, for years and you see a marriage split up um, and you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions because you've been a pastor to, you know, the husband and the wife and all of a sudden they're parting ways and, and you feel like, you know, there's no way to win in, in that situation. But, uh, and then you fast forward to 2020 and, Man, I'm going to tell you, there's not a pastor alive who's ever led through a pandemic like this. Yeah. And so navigating those waters from week to week um, is extremely challenging. Um, and so, um, yeah, there, there are many, many decisions. You know, there are times where, where decisions are not easy. And then, you know, implementing those decisions can be extremely difficult. Um, but God's faithful to his word. And even when we have to deal with difficult situations, he never said they would be easy, but he does honor what his word says. Yeah, definitely. He's, he told us we're going to have a better life, not an easy life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. God's concerned. I think, I think a lot of people, Tyler, I think a lot of people confuse uh, what God's word says, yeah. that you know, they're not happy. And, you know, I often remind folks that, um, God didn't save us to be happy. He saved us to be holy. Yeah. And he's much more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness. But the great thing is Jesus said that when 
we abide in him and he in us that, you know, our joy will be full. And so, um, you know, there, there is joy in the Lord that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He told us that he's got wonderful plans for us. And a lot of those wonderful plans don't, uh, they're not necessarily aligned with our idea of wonderful plans. Like he had a wonderful plan for Stephen, who was stoned. I mean, that, that was his idea of a wonderful plan. And he had, you know, wonderful plans for Peter who was crucified upside down and John the Baptist who were, who was beheaded. I mean, our idea of wonderful plans and our idea of better, it almost always doesn't line up with, you know, God's idea of wonderful. And, you know, Jesus even told us that in Matthew that he, you know, you were talking about how, you know, God's word is, can be pretty hard to, uh, I guess, keep unity. And, but he even told us in, in Matthew that he's bringing a sword, like he's going to separate father from son, daughter from mother. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tough world. And, and I definitely, I have to commend all pastors out there that are, you know, staying true during this time, because I can't imagine, you know, being somebody in your all's position, who's got to make the kind of decisions right now, specifically, because it, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy out there. Yeah, well, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is is the life of, of Joseph in the book of Genesis from uh, Genesis 37 through chapter 50. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and one of my prayers is, you know, Joseph, obviously he was thrown into a pit and, and then he ends up in prison and then eventually he ends up in, you know, or in the palace and then the prison and then back in the palace. And, you know, my prayer is, God, I want to praise you, whether I'm in the pit, the palace, or the prison. Uh, I, I pray that my praises, you know, come forth. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, I just uh, I just printed off an article that I have over here on my desk. I believe Bob Russell, who is the pastor at Southeast uh, Christian Church, uh, you know, up in Kentucky, northern Kentucky, uh, for a long time. Uh, he just wrote an article recently that um, in research found out that 70% of pastors in the Christian church are quitting the ministry within 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not abnormal. I mean, it, it is um, 65% of, of uh, seminary graduates from one of our uh, six Southern Baptist seminaries, um, 65% are, are quitting the ministry within five years. Uh, you've got 1,000 to 1,200 pastors that are quitting the ministry every single month. And so, um, and the number one cause is, is finance, uh, financial, uh, tension is the number one reason that, that ministers are indicating they're leaving the ministry. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, but, but God never said it would be, I'm preaching a series right now, Tyler, uh, through the book of Joshua, um, in, in, entitled from wandering to conquering. And God's word says that he's called us to be more than conquerors through Christ. Mm -hmm. And yet there's still a lot of people who are just wandering through life like the Israelites were for years when God's called us to become conquerors. And, um, and, and so, you know, you, you have to, uh, have to be willing to stay in the battle. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a, uh, that's very encouraging. And, you know, thank you for that. And that's, that's awesome. And of course, you know, being somebody who's, obviously a pastor and then obviously a, a Christian and, you know, what kind of, you know, struggles are you, are you, I guess, challenges, I guess, are you kind of seeing right now as Christians as a whole, as the church as a whole between members and all that kind of things? Because, you know, like you were saying before, one church is doing one thing, one church is doing something else. And there's all this 
kind of seems like division within the church. So how does somebody that is, of course, a, a pastor, how do you kind of deal with, with division within the own church? And of course, you know, outside of the world. So I, I am constantly, uh, my response to that is, is twofold just initially. Number one, I'm constantly praying for unity. Um, constantly praying for unity. Um, just because you have it doesn't mean it's easy to keep it. And so, um, and, and it's not just actions, it's, it's spirit. We're to have an attitude of, of unity and we ought to desire unity as, uh, as followers of Christ within the body of Christ. So I'm praying for unity. Uh, but I'm also uh, vocalizing from from uh, from our pulpit not to be judgmental, especially of other brothers and sisters in Christ, because everyone is at a different place um, in response to this virus right now. Uh, some people are are attending church that probably have not be because their health is not that great. Yeah. Um, we have people who are wearing face masks. Um, and I can't stand the things, but I'm, I'm wearing one, you know, unless I'm, uh, you know, on stage and behind the pulpit, uh, I've already declared we're going to have a face mask burning party when all this is over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be the first to pour some diesel fuel on it, but, you know, but I'm encouraging our people, Hey, don't be judgmental during this time because, um, you know, there are people here who, uh, they can't take any risk at all. It's not because their health is bad, but they may be a caretaker for an elderly person or maybe a newborn. Um, and, and, and so, uh, and then you have other people whose health is great. And even if they were to get the virus, uh, as some have discovered, you know, they might not even realize they, they have it, uh, because their health is so good. And so we're not to be judgmental. You know, scripture tells us in Hebrews that we're to come together uh, to edify one another, to build one another up. And so I've just encouraged our people, hey, just take this opportunity. Let's grow together. Let's grow in our relationship with the Lord. Um, the biggest challenge I think that I'm facing right now as a pastor is we're running about 50% of, of our normal attendance. And, and we normally run between six and 700 um, pre-COVID, as we say. <laughs> Uh, on Sunday morning, back in the day, <laughs> yeah, back in the day, back in the day. Uh, but you know, the challenge is right now. You know, so we've had, you know, we've had up to three hundred and fifty folks here. Uh, you know, on a given Sunday morning, the last couple of weeks, but we're limited to fifty percent capacity, just like every other church in the state of Kentucky is supposed to be. And so um, we're, we're limited on getting, you know, everybody here. We do multiple services, and so that helps us out, but. For us, um, you know, we have 300 some odd people that are normally here every single Sunday. I would even say three to 400 people that are here every single Sunday that right now are not attending regularly because we're not able to ch start our uh, children's ministry back. And yeah. so, um, you know, a children's ministry, you're limited to 10 children per room. And we're way beyond that, um, you know when we have all of our ministries going and so trying to maintain contact with those families um it, it is challenging right now it's extremely challenging and yet god's blessing we had eight families visit our church for the first time sunday um this coming sunday we will have our 10th baptism in the last 12 weeks and five of those have been men that's awesome. 
And, and so God's still at work. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Um, and I know I may offend some folks here, but barring an outbreak, uh, man, the church needs to be having its doors open and, and, and we need to be the lighthouse in the midst of this darkness right now because people are searching. I mean, they are searching yeah. for hope. Um, and, and, and man, the church needs to be operating to whatever capacity she can right now. The church ought to be wide open sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not being judgmental. You know, there are some who, you know, I heard of a church this week that had an outbreak um, and, and they're going to allow things to settle down before they regather. And I, you know, I get that. Um, but, but I, I'm also fearful that, um, there may be some pastors or churches that, um, maybe have gotten a little too comfortable not gathering together again. And I just believe God's word says that, uh, we're not going to neglect the assembling of ourselves together. And so uh, at all costs, we're, we're now we're taking all precautions and hand sanitation stations. You could get a shower here under one if you wanted to. I mean, they're everywhere. Uh, we got gloves. We got face masks we're providing for everybody. We're not passing off the plates. You know, we're just putting them out. So we're, we're doing everything we can. We got half our sanctuary taped off and we bought one of these Ghostbuster backpack machines. You walk around and you know, fumigate everything with and clean it, you know, in between our services. So we're do, we're taking all precautions, but there are certainly challenges right now that I've never experienced before, faced before in ministry. Yeah, they don't really, uh, as far as my understanding goes, pandemic handling one-on-one isn't necessarily something taught in, in seminary. So everybody's just... <laughs> no, we, we, never covered <laughs> we never covered that in seminary. But I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll be shocked if it's not uh, if it's not touched on from here on out. <laughs> I bet it will, yeah, how to handle yeah. situations like this. But yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely agree, you know, just from my own personal studies and that kind of thing with of the Bible that, you know, you have to use wisdom. You have to use discernment in times like this and really all the time, but in times like this, because I mean, there's so much division right now and there's so much going on and everybody has opinions on everything. And, you know, I honestly, I don't even know if there is a right answer other than what God's word says. And it's just, you know, like I was saying before, I, I definitely have to commend, you know, pastors and everything right now because it's, it's just crazy. And I know uh, we were kind of discussing a couple of weeks ago, some stuff going on, you know, with my church and that kind of thing and stuff that I've been trying to work through and all that kind of thing. And it's a, it's been a struggle for obviously pastors and it's been a struggle for obviously Christians, but this obviously gives us a, a great opportunity to be the church. Because like you were saying, you know, there's so many people out outside of the church right now that's looking for answers and the world's dark and it always has been dark and it's going to get worse from here. And I think this gives us a great opportunity, you know, kind of like what I heard uh, John MacArthur say a few weeks ago that it's going to give us a great opportunity to be the church in the the midst of this darkness right now. Yeah. So we do a ministry during the summer um, called being the church. It's our local missions effort. Um, I mean, normally we do 10 to 12 mission trips around the world uh, every year. And of course we've had to cancel literally every single one of those this year, but we didn't cancel being the church. Um, and it's where our people gather on Sunday afternoons and we go out and we do, you know, hands-on uh, ministry projects all over our county from pumping gas at Kroger to bagging groceries to, you know, uh, cleaning windshields at other gas stations to going to the veterans home, offering free haircuts, free car washes. So we, we did a free car wash 
several weeks ago and initially we did it for first responders and then we just opened it up for everybody and we had a lady come who had not been uh to a church in 10 plus years and she sat in the parking lot and just cried because she could not fathom that people were willing to to reach out um during a time like this and this past sunday she was uh actually attended our service for the first time and um she sent a text message that, that to our staff that that made its way to us and just overwhelming that reminded us that there are people who are lost and who are hurting right now um and they need uh, they need to hear the truth they need to be loved on and and you think about it, Tyler. Jesus touched people that nobody else was willing to touch. Yeah. You know, he touched the leper, he touched the blind, he he touched the deaf, the mute. I mean, he he touched all those individuals, and um, you know, and, and and their stories are in his word. I mean, how incredible! So there's no telling the lives that will be touched right now by us being the church. Um, there's no telling the lives that that will be touched whose stories will still be being told you know 100 years from now and so um so yeah it's, it's just pretty in, incredible to see but um but you know i have to be honest it is um somebody asked me the other week said well what are we going to do if, if we're absolutely forced to shut down and you know all you can do is preach to cameras again or this and that and i said well um you, you know uh, unless they come and, and put me in handcuffs, we're going to keep having church mm -hmm. uh, unless we have some kind of outbreak. But, um, you know, it is that time of year where uh, if we have to, I've, and listen, I'm going to tell you, our staff has worked harder this year than maybe ever before. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's been that kind of year trying to navigate all of this. But as you well know, hunting season is, uh, is right here on us. Oh yeah. Um, and um my hunting is sort of a reprieve to me um you know i do what i do with buck ventures which is you know there's some work involved there for me uh, as as a leader um you know helping jeff and daniel um but at the end of the day i don't care if um i don't care if i've got a homemade bow in my hands with you know um a shoestring, you know, for the string, uh, and, and turkey feathers for, you know, on my arrows, uh, I'm going to figure out a way to go hunting. And I don't care if, if I'm hunting, you know, a 200 inch deer or a hundred inch deer. Uh, I love being in the outdoors and I know you do as well. Oh yeah, definitely. So what are some kind of things that you're doing right now to kind of prepare you for archery season? I know you being in Kentucky, uh, we have our season coming up within the next few weeks. And by the time this episode posts, it'll actually be right before the season opens. So what kind of things are you doing right now to kind of prepare for that? Well, uh, you know, um, like this evening, I'll probably slip out to a farm and, and uh, you know, check some cameras. I'll probably also, uh, you know, watch what comes to the bean field tonight. And then tomorrow, uh, last, let's see, last week I spent seven hours on a bush hog uh, last Friday morning. Um, bush hog and crp and so this weekend uh my goal for this weekend is to uh turn under three uh food plots and start hanging some stands and i'm behind where i normally would be but i'm gonna get to hunt one week this year um our season i think opens on september the 5th yeah. and, and i'm gonna have a week here and then i'm taking off and 
uh, a friend of mine is going to go run camera for me and we are headed to uh, uh, i've got some friends who own a twelve thousand acre ranch in northwest nebraska oh man and we're gonna, we're going to go spot and stalk uh, pronghorn and mule deer and so um, as a matter of fact we're going Turkey season comes in while we're there, so uh, we'll have a chance to, to kill a Merriam. Um, and, and so, and I think we're going to take our ARs and see if we can't um, get rid of a few coyotes and, and prairie dogs while we're there. So it's just going to be a fun field trip. Um, it's probably going to be hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've hunted on the farm before and, and been blessed to take a pronghorn and, and a mule deer off the ranch. I should say it's, it's not a farm. It's, it's 19 contiguous square miles. If you can fathom that. That's crazy. Uh, it's like a small yeah, state. They, they run, <laughs> yeah. They run like a thousand head of cattle on it. Uh, and it's just, he and his dad, um, and, and so there's not a tree within, I mean, you can stand on the ranch and not even, you know, in places and not even see a tree, literally. I mean, as far as the eye can see. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be quite interesting, but I am really looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'm definitely jealous and that's going to make it some, for some tough hunting. I mean, without having that kind of cover, that kind of thing, it's going to be pretty tricky on you, but it's, it sounds like a blast though. Yeah, so one of the things I am doing right now in prep preparation for that is uh, getting my, my bow dialed in. And, of course, you know, around here, a long bow shot might be 30 yards. Yeah. But uh, out west, I've hunted out west a number of times with my bow. And, you know, you, you better be equipped to be able to take a, a 50 to 70-yard shot mm-hmm. and not have to hesitate on it because that's not – that sounds like an extremely unethical long distance shot to to people uh, in the east but out west it's really it's really not barring the conditions are are right and obviously you know you wouldn't take a a lengthy shot in the you know in high winds but um you know when you don't have a tree to climb up in and you're just spotting and stalking you've got to be you know got to be prepared and the only way you can be prepared is to practice 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 and so i will i will practice uh in my backyard I, I've, I've got a range set up all the way out to 80 yards and so i i shoot a lot of long distance the good news is that when you shoot out to 80 182 yards you know it makes a 20 yard shot feel like you're shooting at an elephant so <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true yeah, it, gets a little, it gets a little easier but i listen you can still miss at 20 just like you can at 80 i assure you <laughs> <laughs> that's very uh, true <laughs> Speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah. I've, I haven't had the opportunity to hunt any kind of antelope or anything like that and mule deer, but from what I've seen, you know, watching shows and uh, seeing people actually go out and hunt, I mean, 70 yards, I mean, that's going to have to be, especially those antelope, because they are, they're called speed goats for a reason, because once they get a whiff of you, if they even have a, even a recollection that you're even possibly there, they're out of there. So you got to, that 70 yards is going to be still a pretty close shot for, for those guys. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, so Dan Picard who writes and films for Eastman's bow hunting journal, his, his testimonies in my, in my book. And I met Dan a couple of years ago at the ATA show, the archery trade association show. And, um, we just got to talk and I asked him if he would give me his testimony for my book. And, and he said, yes, he would. And so, We've uh, we've remained in contact, and uh, I was texting with Dan the other night, and he uh, 
he missed. He he was spotting and stalking with a decoy because of all animals uh, to to decoy, pronghorns are probably uh, the best animal to, to pursue with a decoy. And so uh, he missed a, a, a pronghorn. It was now granted it was trotting, <clears throat> but he said he was aiming a foot and a half in front of its chest, and he missed it probably by a foot and a half behind its tail. Um, and, and and then he ends up shooting the same pronghorn, I think it's 76 or 78 yards uh, and pinwheeled him, you know. And, and so um, I ordered me a decoy this week. <laughs> I should be here the next day or so, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I've never done any decoying like that. Um, and so I, I killed one pronghorn. I shot him at 47 yards, and I was hunting out of a blind. Um and so well, we're going to be we're going to be hitting the rut just perfect that's awesome um, for september september uh, middle of september so but i'd love to kill a would love to kill a velvet deer here before i leave oh yeah that'd be a good couple of weeks for you but oh man would it ever uh and let's be honest with the price of ground beef being three and four dollars a pound um <laughs> venison is uh is a great choice oh yeah definitely yeah pronghorn is great uh, it's a wonderful meat i've heard it's uh, good really, i've heard it's really good yeah, yeah i've never really, had it really. but. yeah uh and they're an interesting animal I, I don't know if you know you don't know much about pronghorn so just the way god made them um you know what you see is their horn it actually uh is the sleeve it, it you know they shed it it mm-hmm. comes off um but what's even more interesting is their hair. Um, it is, um, they don't have fur, they have hair. And um, in the sense that their uh, hair follicles uh, or their hair, it's hollow. And so it keeps them cool in, in the extreme temperatures, like, you know, when they're rutting, rutting and chasing, um, it keeps them cool. But the reverse is just is also true in the extreme winter because their hair is hollow. Um, it helps them retain heat, and just the way God designed yeah. them, it's just really incredible. Um, and I, I learned that several years ago when I was hunting for the first time, um, chasing pronghorns. That um, they are quite a unique animal. Yeah, that's that is pretty awesome. How you know you can see the finger of God, you know, within animals and within nature and within you know creation as a whole because i mean there's there's ways there's certain animals and certain things that you know we have here on earth that or even outside or even out in space that you're just like how in the world there is no way that that happened by itself and i think it takes a lot of a lot more faith i think to believe that it happened just on accident than it would be to you know just admit that you know a creator some an intelligent designer put this together the way it's supposed to be and that's why it's continuing to thrive and survive today yeah you know i, I mean it is uh and, and you know it does take i think more faith to to uh not believe than to yeah. believe um when you know my daughter and i last year along with john boykin from buck ventures we had the opportunity to to go to south africa and we went there on a mission trip sharing the gospel and we also did some hunting while we were there and um, just to see, you know, evidence of God on the other side of the world, um, you know, just as we see it here is just mind boggling. Um, and, and so, 
Um, yeah, and, and you know, the neat thing is that's that's where, um, you know, God's word says in the book of Genesis that he has given mankind dominion over all creation. That's, yeah. where, that's where the, the title of my, my book came from, um, is, you know, dominion. And, and God's given us dominion over all creation. Um, it's just awesome to to know that God's given us that, and yeah. um, what a, what a blessing that is. And that's what you know. If you've got a copy of Dominion, you know it's just devotionals, but there are stories tied in with God's Word that um, you know as we're in the outdoors. Those of us who have a love for the outdoors, we get to see. You know, as Romans says, Romans chapter one, Paul said that every man is without excuse because God has revealed himself to all mankind through creation. And, and you know, all you got to do is walk outside. And there's evidence of God. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's 100 percent. That's one of my favorite verses, Romans 120. And it's that right there. And, you know, it's been an inspiration for much of this podcast show. And I know, of course, it, it played a huge part in your the inspiration for your book. So what what kind of. Of course, you mentioned how it's a it's a year long devotional, but you know what are some more of the details on your book Dominion? So Dominion is a daily devotional for outdoorsmen, um, and, and there um, in that there are daily devotionals, but then there are fourteen testimonies from guys in the outdoor industry like Jeff Danker and Daniel McVeigh, Greg Bohannon, who fishes with FLW Tour, Nick Harp, who is the uh, chaplain for the uh, Archer Shooters, Shooters Association Tour, the Professional Archers Tour. Uh, and I think now he's doing some IBO uh, events as well. Uh, but then David Blanton from Realtree. Um, oh, goodness gracious. Um, I know you mentioned you had Bud Fisher on there also. Yeah, yeah, Bud Fisher uh, with uh, <laughs> yeah with catching deers. Uh, yeah, Bud's a great guy. Loves the Lord. Uh, has a wonderful testimony uh, in that. I just got my second edition, and uh, Chris Ham, who is the owner of HHA Optics, uh, he contributed his testimony for this second printing uh, of Dominion. I just released it in December and sold out in four months and awesome. it was just mind-boggling um hank parker godly man oh hank loves the lord one of the most powerful testimonies you'll ever read or ever hear is hank parker's testimony um incredible and if you don't know who hank parker is you are missing out uh on just a, a wonderful uh human being uh whose life god just radically changed mm -hmm. Uh, by his grace. And so, um, you know, so all these testimonies are in there uh, of different individuals. Um, Troy Ruiz from Primos, uh, is a friend of mine, his testimonies in there and, and how he came to faith in Christ. Uh, Phil Robertson led uh, Troy Ruiz to the Lord uh, while they were duck hunting awesome. years ago. And so, um, you know, those testimonies are in there. But then uh, I think, I, if I recall, I think there are 28 other uh, individuals who contributed. I had one lady, uh, Sheena Hill, who's part of our Buck Ventures Pro Staff team, mm -hmm. and she she contributed um, some of the devotionals. But for the most part, uh, a lot of these were pastors who contributed. Some of them were not. Um, but just, you know, ask them to, to, you know, write devotionals that, 
uh, are twofold. One, that they reach Bubba, who's unchurched, not coming to church unless there's a wild game banquet and he has an opportunity to win a new rifle or a four-wheeler. Um, and, and that's just <clears throat> just a fact. Uh, but then also to write it to, you know, the guy by the name of Tom who's sitting there on Sunday morning and he, he's in church with his family. He loves the Lord. He's worshiping the Lord. But he's, you know, there's part of him that's going, man, it'd be an awesome day to be out on the lake, um, you know, or sitting in a deer stand this morning. And, and I wanted to encourage that follower of Christ to keep following the Lord. And, and I wanted to reach, you know, that Bubba who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord and help him to see that there's a God who loves him and a God who created him and a God who wants to have a relationship with him. And so, um, you know, every devotional is, um, you know, it's, it's there to inspire. It's there to convict. It's there to challenge. Um, there, there's a prayer, you know, with each devotional, there's a question with each devotional. And, and that's because I want you to do more than just read it. I want you to think about it throughout the day of how that devotional and what God's word says, how it should impact your life. Yeah, those devotionals that have that that kind of the call to action or they have those questions, it's, it really brings a different element to the the daily reading of God's word because, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, get up in the morning or maybe right before bed at night to sit there and read and your mind's probably focused on something else. But whenever you've got to read it, you've got to pray. And you obviously the prayer is going to be connected to the reading. And then you have mm-hmm. a a question that is like, like I said, a kind of a call to action. I and mean, it really, it brings you into the, the reading a lot more than it would be if you were just to, to read a devotional. Yeah. And, and so, um, and it's been amazing. I, I mean, Tyler, I have just been absolutely humbled at what God has done with dominion. Um, you know, I did some research before I started writing it. Um, and I found some other devotionals. I mean, I, I have read everything that Steve Chapman has written. You yeah. know, if you've <laughs> ever read, you know, his book, A Look at Life from Deer Stand, mm-hmm. well, I've read, you know, just everything he's written. I read it and certainly inspiring. Uh, and there are some other devotionals out there, but I could not find a year-long devotional uh, dedicated to outdoorsmen. And the ultimate goal, what I hope to do is, is uh, I'm still trying to gather up all of these testimonies on video because what I ultimately want to do is to put them on the website so that, you know, if you want to hear more, you can, you know, you can go to the website. Yeah. But then probably what I'll do in due time is um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to pay. It's not cheap to publish a book. I can tell you that I could have bought a pickup truck, um, paid for it twice for what I uh, have in the book. but. Um, you know, when I, when I, uh, get a few more books sold, what I hope to do is to turn this into, um, something that's digital and that you can subscribe to it and it just comes straight to your phone every day. Yeah. Um, and and so every morning you get up and you've got the devotional from dominion right there on your phone that you can read. And then on, you know, on those days where there's a testimony, you can watch the video or, you know, read it yourself. And so, um, so that's, you know, that's sort of the ultimate goal, but one step at a time, um, I've already had requests, you know, for a second book, uh, and I'm like, let me just finish dealing with the first book first. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took two years to put together Dominion. And so it was not an easy uh, undertaking, but it's been God's project from the get go. And, uh, we've now sold books in, uh, 40, 
two states um, and even in Canada. That's awesome. And uh, last week I sent two books off to Canada. And so um, although shipping books to Canada cost me more than what the actual book is. (laughs) It's expensive uh, to send stuff up there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. And so, uh, but it's been just amazing how God has used it. Um, Let's see, today's Thursday. I think on Tuesday I received a letter from a man in Texas, uh, a handwritten letter. Um, He ordered a book initially for himself. He saw it on Hank Parker, promoted it for me on one of his fishing shows, and he ordered a copy, and he enjoyed it so much. Um, you know, as he started reading, he ordered multiple other copies to put in their, um, in their lives to give to his sons. And, and he just wrote me, uh, this hand, you know, written letter, just thanking me for taking the time to do it and how he could see. And his prayer was that God was going to use it to change lives, um, for, for his glory. And, you know, not that you write it for those things, but man, when you get a letter like that, it's just, it's just encouraging to see that people truly value, um, you know, what you've done. And so, but it's, it's God's project. It's been God's project from the get go. And my prayer, I, I do wild game banquets all over the country. I, I literally speak all over the country at wild game banquets, but my prayer is with dominion is that God will take his word into people's lives and people's hearts uh, that I will never encounter in person. Um, and, and so that's my prayer uh, is that he'll just use it for his glory. And, and he has, and it's just been, uh, it's been amazing to see that. That's yeah, great that you've really, you've obviously done it for that purpose and, you know, to see the successes that you've had with it. And of course to still have that ambition and to still have the, the dreams for it. I think it's just, uh, a testament to obviously the type of person you are. And then of course the relationship you have with God. So where can people, where can they check out the book dominion and where can they buy it and where can they learn more about it? Yeah. So if you're interested in getting a copy of dominion, uh, I'm working on setting up a Facebook page. Somebody brought that to my attention, but for right now, um, I have a website that you can go to and the website is dominiondevotional.com just all one word dominion devotional.com or if anybody has any trouble they can uh contact us uh contact me here at our, our church hillcrest baptist church in hopkinsville and um all of my both both my assistants are very familiar with uh how to help individuals in getting a copy and so um yeah all right um Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure I have that link down in the show notes of this episode. That way, if people want to check that out, they want to go ahead and jump online and go ahead and grab one of those. They can do it right from the show notes of this episode. And of course, do you have, uh, do you have some more information on, um, you know, how to connect with you on how to maybe connect with you there at the church or, uh, you have any more information on that? Yeah. Uh, well, I can always be contacted. You know, I've got a Facebook page, uh, Joe Bufford. Uh, I guess my current picture profile is, is I'm sitting with an Impala that I took last year in South Africa, uh, with a cross behind me, uh, for the big picture. So Joe Bufford, you know, is an easy way to find me. That's, I, I do good to keep up with that platform on social media, <laughs> anything else I have to be dependent on somebody else, uh, to help me out with it. But, uh, yeah, anybody can contact me here. Uh, at our church, uh, Hillcrest Baptist, um, yeah, hillcrestbc.net, um, and, and uh, can get in touch with me here. And 
uh, with only Hillcrest and Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So we're not too hard to find, but, um, yeah, I, like I say, I, I, um, it, it, you know, always open to a phone call, always open to a conversation and, uh, we'll travel just about anywhere to share the good news of Christ and, and, uh, share a little hunting story along the way. Well, that's great. That's great. And thank you so much, Joe, for being on the Rice Gilly podcast with me and sharing a great conversation. This was really encouraging for me. I'm looking forward to checking out the book myself. And like I said, anybody who el- who is listening to this who wants to check out Joe's book, Dominion, you guys can check that out down in the show notes of the show and can be sure to connect with Joe there. So thank you, Joe, so much. I appreciate you being on. Tyler, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been an absolute joy and uh, just looking forward to our time together and uh, Bug Venture Days. And Bug Ventures is just a, you know, just a great ministry tool for sharing the good news and tying in uh, our faith and tying in hunting. And I know that's what uh, I know that's what your show is all about as well. So I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of it. That's right. That's right. I definitely appreciate it. And I'm ready to get out in the woods and do some hunting here in Kentucky. Yeah, I'm going to have to cool down just a little bit before we start. <laughs> That's right. All right, so there you have it, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Joe Buffer today. If you guys are interested in checking out his book, Dominion, you can head over to dominiondevotional.com and pick it up today. I know you guys are going to enjoy this. If, if you love this podcast and you listen to this podcast, then I know for a fact you guys are going to enjoy Joe's book, dominion so be sure to head over there and check that out also if you found any value from today's episode i want to ask that you leave a rating and review on the podcast platform that you're listening on i've said it almost every episode but those ratings and reviews they go a long way in in helping the rise Elite podcast continue to grow thank you so much for those of you guys that have already done that it's incredible to see the reaction and the amount of growth that is coming from people from all over the country and really all over the world so thank you guys for leaving those ratings and reviews. All right, so my name is Tyler Pruitt. I'm the host and founder of the Rise Elite Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Rise Elite Podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I will see you guys next week.